Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favorite time of the week when we have started the first of our episodes of Inspiring Leadership in Inspiring and Unprecedented Times. And I'm very lucky this week for our first session to have Danny Payne. Danny is the CEO of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office Services. And we've also got Ben Atkinson, who is from LinkedIn, and this is one of LinkedIn Live sessions. So Danny, welcome. It's great to have you here. Do you Johnson. want to just begin by telling us a bit about, in a nutshell, what the Foreign and Commonwealth Office Services does? Because it's a fascinating role. Yeah, we're um, a part of the Foreign Office that doesn't really um, get talked about too much. But basically, we, we run and support uh, embassies all over the world and have done for several decades. Um, and these are not ordinary buildings. These are pretty complex and they're in uh, over 250 cities around the world. Um, we also support um, a lot of IT systems and a lot of logistics systems around the world. Um, and we focus mostly on projects uh, and running uh, live services. What, what I love about FC Services in particular is it's, it's one of the only organizations which is truly global um, that's doing things on behalf of the British government uh, all over the world. Mm. And there's also people that join uh, FCO services. I mean, we have a lot of people that come in from industry because it's an engineering technical based organization. Uh, we also have a lot of people uh, who've joined from government as well. Mm. And so we have a, a really unique mix of uh, expertise uh, globally and people who are driven to do the right thing. Brilliant. And Danny, you, you've been CEO for four and a half years um, through a time of unprecedented change, which you've helped happen. You've had a whole variety of crises and problems that go on in the world in different countries. Um, you're having to deal with a lot of quite highly sensitive things to do with the British government abroad. But what, if, what have you learned about surviving in crisis and emergencies? What, what would be your story or your top tip about surviving, firstly, before we talk about thriving in this environment? Uh, I think it makes a, a, a big difference if you've already practiced crisis. Um, and each of you has a pretty clear uh, view as to how you roll out of normal operations into crisis and then back again. So you've, you've actually got the familiarity. And so we do a lot of testing um, for crisis. Um, and if you can imagine working globally, there's always something going on that actually needs uh, some degree of attention. So it's never quite normal business. But I definitely say the scenarios... Uh, and then practicing those of your teams. So each of you drops into the crisis mode very, very quickly. That makes a big difference. Yeah. And one of the organizations I was working with, they, they've, they've given themselves in this time of this global pandemic, three, three, three things, three principles. One is uh, care for your customers and your clients. Look after them. Secondly, look after your organization and your people in it. And thirdly, prepare for the recovery. Now, how do you thrive and prepare for recovery from a disaster that you've been involved in or getting people evacuated from a country or all the power or the, the generation goes down somewhere, no comms? You know, how do you thrive? How do you 
bounce back from something like this, Danny? Um, it's not often that we have something that affects the whole world and the whole organization and the many, many people that interface and interact with the organization. So th this is a COVID-19 is certainly unique. Um, and so, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had the opportunity really to have practiced exactly the scenario that we now find ourselves in. Um, but there are many, many occasions where lots of our systems or our people get caught up in difficulties. So, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, civil war breaks out in a country uh, or whether it's you know a political intervention in a country or or maybe even it's something as simple as our IT platforms go down uh, and we can no longer provide the service each of these requires a unique response and we have a gold silver bronze mechanism set up for managing each of these and we have a recovery system in place for that and with COVID-19 um, because obviously this can have a personal effect on every single person uh, and has a dynamic commercial impact uh, as well, this is going to be much more complex uh, to, uh, to roll back from. Yeah. Um, so the important thing now, I think, is, is, is how we are performing and how we are delivering the services that are essential from us yeah. um, and how we are planning for recovery and how quickly we can make that recovery. Um, so, so we are scenario planning what that recovery looks like right now whilst yeah. also dealing with the short-term issues. Very wise. And in, in surviving and thriving and recovering, we need good leadership. We need good, inspiring leaders. You've come from a very much an engineering and big programs, dealing with crises, delivering big things. <laughs> Who's inspired you or what, what are the qualities of the inspiring leaders that you've been lucky enough to work for and the mentors you've had? You, I think you had one in, in particular that you, you were impressed by. Um. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've had some, some great people to work with over the years. And, and parking my, my sort of mentor for a moment, um, I mean, working in the Foreign Office is, 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 an amazing, is an amazing personal experience. You know, you have some brilliantly capable people uh, that really do go the extra mile. And, um, and the consular support and the consular crisis management systems that have been in support recently through COVID-19 have just been absolutely just inspiring in itself. And our teams around the world, you know, they're supporting this effort to help to repatriate British nationals, you know, as borders close and, and flights uh, dry up. So it's been tremendously difficult um, for many, many people. We've been in the background keeping all of this uh, operational. So I'm, I'm really inspired by the, by the men and women of the organization who, who come in um, and, uh, you know, at a moment's notice, they're prepared to step up and, and stand in. Um, and there are many, many examples around the world of where our staff are doing that today. Yeah. Um, in terms of my own personal um, experience from an engineering background, I mean, major engineering programs, um, they have a tendency to have problems. Um, and uh, often it's how you respond in those problems that can make uh, a real difference. Um, in particular, I was inspired by um, uh, someone who... I've sort of trended behind them in, in terms of their career by about 10 years. Um, and at each stage of their career, I've sort of, I've sort of had the time to talk to them about um, how they faced certain situations and how they faced some of the challenges and the uncertainties. Uh, and the two things that really stood out for me, one of them is it's all about the team. You know, fundamentally, the team make all the difference. Uh, and also, it's really important that you have a really good leadership team around you to work with. And so if you've got 15,000 staff that you're trying to influence, you know, be open to those and be in touch with them in the best way that you can. Um, but if you've got eight people that you're managing, those are the people that you really need to get it right with. 
Great. And you talked about teams very briefly, Danny. What, when you've been with a great team in a time of crisis, when you need to handle unusual, unprecedented things, what makes a great team, have you found, when you've worked with one? Um, well, I think I've got a great team now. I'm very mm. privileged with the team yeah. I have. Um, I, think, I, think, I think what makes, what makes us a good team uh, is the fact that we're supportive of one another and we look out for each other. Um, and uh, we want to kind of make sure that that's happening throughout the leadership of the organization. So we're, we're not just involved in the tactical uh, activities of the day and, and, and the sort of practical things that need to be done. We're actually, we're actually involved in the human side of, of, of each of us. And, um, and I think at this, at this juncture at the moment, you know, you really need to be looking out for um, the stresses and strains on individuals and the mental well-being. I was interesting. Um, if you, if you, if you bleed, um, you can see it, you can put a bandage on it. You know, when people are under pressure um, and there's a lot of stress, it can affect your mental well-being. Mm. This is one of those sorts of times at the moment and, and you won't bleed. So you've got to, you've got to know your team and, you've, and your team have got to know you and they've got to know when to step in, yeah. uh, especially around mental health and well-being. That's a, great, that's a great bit of advice actually, Danny, to end on that sort of mental health is the key one we've got to look after. I'm very interested in your life and your experiences and the things you've done. Do you want to just uh, go, go right back to when you were being brought up and what shaped you as the kind of leader you are? and Why have you been attracted to this kind of world with these big engineering problems? You know, and you've, you've worked in a lot of different engineering organizations. Do you want to just talk about a little bit about yourself, perhaps in two or three minutes, and, and what shaped you and the, the kind of firms that you've worked in and the kind of work you've done? Um, well, I guess my interest in um, engineering and technology probably goes right back to uh, being a child, really. I, I really like to put things together and take things to pieces. Um, and it, I think it was probably my grandfather that spotted that that was who I am. And he was, a, he was an engineer. So, um, so I, think, I, think, uh, I think that was where my sort of early roots uh, came from. And, um, uh, and I also had a great a great love of people, especially practical people, people who are real can do want to get stuff done. And, um, and engineering often brings a lot of uh, challenges that require some can do attitude and require some problem solving. Um, so I think I just, na I just naturally found that that was a place uh, for me and the, the people that I've worked with over the years, you know, they've, they've, they've brought many, many fantastic experiences and the organizations I work with work for some fantastic organizations all at different stages in their commercial uh, development um, and um, it's always been at the core is that that sort of problem solving that technology um, working with those sorts of people which I which I absolutely love to work with. Danny let's go on to the kind of experiences you've had as you say big programs big projects always go wrong things go wrong and and, and how have you seen it done well and how have you seen it done appallingly badly run over time over budget people didn't recover quickly what just give us a few real life stories over, not only just in here, but in, in other, just tell about some of the other jobs you've done. What, what are the different, you've had some fascinating firms you've worked for. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, think um, I mean, it, 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 it would be unfair to say that every project always goes wrong because, of course, we're surrounded by some of the most incredible infrastructure in the world. Mm. Um, the journey to get there is a, is a, is a tricky one. There's some really interesting academic research on how to improve uh, the way uh, we make decisions around investments. Um, so, um, so I'm, I'm really interested in the in the philosophy 
uh, and behavioral science of um, of project management and how people make decisions as well as the practical issues of engineering um, so that that side of things I've, I've, I've been doing a, a bit more and you've also system. you're also at Oxford University in your spare time ho ho um, doing a master's degree aren't you what's what's that in yeah so that so that that's in major that's in major projects I mean it's uh, there's a there's a really uh, a fascinating uh, professor um, professor um, who specializes uh, in in trying to identify how major projects um, go wrong why major projects go wrong and what we can do uh, to um, to improve the, the the planning and delivery of major projects mm. so um, they run a really interesting program at the business school there so I'm very fortunate to have got a place um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing that for a few months now I've met some really fascinating fascinating people um, and uh, it's um, it's really uh, it's really sort of opened my eyes up to the way that I make decisions especially around biases and heuristics and, and those kind of things that we take for granted mm. Tell us, tell us a bit about biases and heuristics. Is, is this the horns or halo effect that you have on people you're dealing with or why you tend to go for certain options? Um, well, I mean, there's, a, there's, an enormous, uh, there's an enormous set of reasons why um, certain decisions um, that seem like good ones on the day um, are, are then impacted. Um, but uh, but in, in particular, you know, there's... there's um, there's a book called um, Thinking Fast uh, and slow. Thinking Slow um, by a chap called Daniel Daniel Kahneman, yeah. and 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 he talks about he talks about the way uh, we have two systems in our brain. They're not sort of separated by biological function, but two systems in our brain. Um, and often we find ourselves we'll make a decision on the basis of uh, the bias, and it could be something as simple as um, well, I trust I trust the people that have given me this information, therefore. I might not have to do any of my own research to try and identify whether this is a good decision or not. And he talks about that risk um, and how in the past there were a number of issues uh, that were um, more complex than it appears. And you should really go and do your research as to why was that complex. Uh, and they called it, they called it the hiding hand and the planning fallacy. Uh, and it's the assumption that, you know, the people of the past, um, who went through all these challenges uh, we can we can learn a lot from the people of the past in all these challenges but that requires us not to make automatic decisions as you would uh, under system one thinking you need to think deeply and do your research and uh, not just trust the, the sort of information you're provided but go and make sure that this is this is enough intelligence for you to make that decision yeah very interesting and and what about uh, some examples um, in your current role in the Foreign Commonwealth Office Services, when you've had to deal with a crisis and get people out of different, how have you seen people operate well as a team and, and how, how do they handle a, a, an emergency well? And, and what are the lessons for people today from that? Um, well, having spent a lot of time working with IT projects and IT programs, um, I mean, this is just a, a natural fact about IT. It, it, it goes wrong from time to time. And when it does, uh, it's very visible to the people that need it. Um, so really quickly, it becomes a problem, especially to your customers. And um, and and so, uh, what I've what I've tried to encourage is that is that we actually have a mechanism by which our engineers um, take the time out to do the analysis and do the uh, do all of the uh, relevant repairs that need to be done. Um, and, and then the sort of customer and account management teams are actually engaging with 
customers to make sure that they understand what's happening and why. So you sort of give the engineers the space to do their job without crowding their thinking with additional pressure, whilst at the same time making the intelligence as clear as possible to the customers so, they, so that they can actually uh, deal with this, this situation. And, and there have been some really sort of um, complex situations where we've lost some very difficult uh, platforms and uh, we've had to get them up quickly. And if you didn't have cool heads uh, and you didn't have a systematic approach for managing these sorts of crises, uh, you just make it worse. Yeah, yeah. And how do you encourage innovation, creativity when people are, are right up against, they're in, they're in the forest, right up there by the trees. How, how do you get the leaders to step back a bit and think about the three most important things or whatever it is? What, what have you found worked? Uh, again, it's um, like we talked about earlier. Often, often if, you've, if you've got a system and you've got a process uh, and you've tried and tested it with different scenarios, people naturally slot into, into those when the crisis hits. Um, what you're, I guess you're trying to identify whether this is a familiar crisis or whether this is an unfamiliar crisis. Um, if it's familiar, then you probably find uh, you're more likely to recover the situation uh, more quickly and more systematically. If it's, um, if it's something new, there's a lot more thinking and strategy that goes in as well. Um, and, and, and also you have to be really careful not to over-promise or under-promise. There's, there's a fine balance uh, with, your, with your customers in terms of making sure that they understand the reality of what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, I imagine it's quite interesting one about what you, you stop doing and what you must keep doing. Because yeah. everyone's everything. So how, how do you prioritize? What, what, what system have you used? Um, it's, actually not, it's actually not my system, the particular one that, that I, I like. It's, it's one that um, uh, the, the, the Foreign Office um, have, uh, have kind of uh, established, uh, which is... Which is um, at a, at a time of, um, of crisis when there is a huge amount of uh, uncertainty, you know, what are the things that you can drop, delay and do differently? So you can actually get right to the heart of the most important things that you need to deal with and everybody kind of gets on that page. And, and, and you know, that's not an easy thing to do. It takes, an, it takes a lot of thought, a lot of decision making. But drop, delay, do differently. I've, I've kind of translated that into my operations. Um, yeah. I find it incredibly helpful. Yeah, I love that. Drop, delay, do differently. It's really good, um, really good little advice. I, I'll, I'll remember that myself. Um, just pausing and checking with Ben. Ben, have we had any more questions? So what would be, uh, if you're looking at uh, coming out of a, a challenging situation, what would be your sort of um, strategy for, for keeping the team um, together, motivated, and, and um, to be successful coming out of a sort of challenging time? Um, I think there's a lot to be said for appreciation and communication. Um, so, um, as, as you're, as you're, as you're preparing, um, to conclude the crisis, obviously you'll be thinking about what does return to normal look like, but throughout that crisis period, you'll be communicating with each other, communicating with your teams, especially if people are in remote, remote locations. Um, and, um, and I think that, uh, I think, I think that's the one thing that, um, can really, complicate matters if the communications is not clear. Mm. That's a, that's you, you must have experienced um, sort of managing from afar and, and all those sort of remote locations all around the globe, which is really mm. sort of relevant to, to how people are having to change their management style at the moment. Um, is there any sort of tips you can give on 
on, on how to do that well and, and, and keep a, a, a team feeling like a team. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's, um, uh, I mean, technology today is great. Uh, it makes a huge difference. You know, I mean, I'm not sure it would have been as easy to communicate in the way that we do, share documents, um, share working practices, you know, virtual working now is, is light years ahead of where it would have been even, even five years ago. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, you know, getting people confident with the technology um, and, um, and getting used to that, uh, I think that that's made a big difference for us. Um, as far as, as far as a team goes, uh, I mean, we, we put lots of communication out to all of our staff, you know, to, um, to support them and to encourage them. We put lots of uh, links to good government advice, especially around well-being. Um, we've had some really interesting ways that people have uh, been having virtual coffee mornings and, and people who are perhaps um, uh, on their own maybe um, or, or not surrounded by the family and friends that they would normally be around, you know, trying to make sure that we're reaching into those even, even out of hours, you know, even out of, out of office hours, if that's, if that's appropriate to do so. So, you know, trying to, trying to keep that sense of community mm. and, and keep the dialogue uh, and also make sure we're giving good advice. Yeah. We've got one just question um, from Don McIntyre uh, come in and it, it, it's a similar line of questioning, but looking at actually bringing new team members um, into the team in the, in, and uh, sort of making them feel supported and welcome um, and get to work sort of straight away. Is there any sort of methods that you have of, of doing that? Could I, could I come in here, Danny? It's, um, it's one that uh, General Paul Nansen, who's going to be on our next week's session, the Commandant of Sandhurst, who's now GOC recruiting and training. Uh, he said what's so interesting now is when you've got people joining a training platoon, let's say a basic soldier training platoon, they'd wait till they arrive at the barracks and then they start from there. Now they're having to do it virtually, that the person is at home, but he's joined a virtual platoon. And, and they do things together and their platoon corporal who looks after the eight of them in a section, he gets together with them all virtually online and they do things and they even all bring a beer along to uh, the drinks at the end of the day at five o'clock and they swap stories and tell things about each other. Um, and then the sergeant looks after the 30 of them and, and it's amazing what they're doing now. And he went, why didn't we ever do this before? We could, <laughs> we could sign people up before they ever even join the organization. They feel part of it. You're, you're drawing them in yeah. and it, it's really working well. So sorry just to, to jump in, but Dan, this is, this is your moment. What, what, what else do you think? I think I think uh, I think those are those are great tips. I mean, we've had a few people uh, join us. You know, the, the nature of a large organisation is people are moving on and people are moving in. And um, and we've had a few people join us, including new people into my team. Um, and um, getting the tech working really fast was really important, uh, as well as making them feel connected into the team. So getting them to introduce themselves into the team meetings early, um, and then spending a bit more time than I perhaps otherwise would, uh, really explaining to them. Uh, you know, the information in the organization, maybe giving them a buddy as well. I think that's been quite a helpful mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and then obviously when there are high points as well, kind of sharing those and explaining what they really mean and why they're high points. Um, so, yeah, so um, I, th I think the more you can do virtually. One, one thing I would say it makes a big difference if, if you are in, in a place where you're now virtually working is get the kit working, get your tech working, make sure they know how to use it. 
because the sooner they can do that, the sooner they can feel like they're contributing. Yeah. Um, and people, people want to get stuck in. What ideas come up for you, Danny? Anything else from just what we've been discussing? And uh, some, some stories you could share about uh, any of these kind of dealing with crises, what, what good teams do and, and how to pass on good practice. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things is, is meeting all the new, new recruits. Uh, it's, um, it's great to be able to, to sort of, you know, talk to people about the really interesting things that your organization does uh, and just go around the whole group and ask them what parts of the organization they're joining. You know, they might be joining the IT or they might be joining security systems or construction or, you know, they might, they might be um, doing logistics or they might be working in procurement, you know, lots of different things and being able to join all of those up together and explain why each of them matters and why it's important and give them two or three different really fascinating stories that, um, that they might not otherwise come across mm. and just try to encourage them to go and, you know, have a community around them because once you sort of slot into your department, you know, you can, you can almost live in that department and, and not surface from it. And I think if you don't surface from it and, and engage with the rest of the organization, you miss some of the, you miss some of the glue. So we run, a, we, we run um, something called the, um, the coffee roulette, uh, which is really interesting. I do it every month and I never know who I'm going to be uh, sitting down having a coffee with, and we're still doing it now, but we're doing it virtually. Yeah. Uh, so we're having a virtual coffee roulette. And so a name from in the organization comes up and um, we just have a chat about all sorts of stuff. And it can be, uh, it can be work related. It can just be uh, chat about family and friends. It can be about hobbies and interests. It doesn't really matter. The point is we're a community that works for the same organization and we've got interesting stories to share. Yeah. And, oh, and I want to follow, I want to follow on with that, because, because, you know, you're one of these leaders who thinks leadership is really important and some organizations are going, oh, we're going to cut back on leadership in this crisis. We can't afford leadership. We, you know, we're not going to do anything about that. But actually, it's more important than ever. And, and, and you as a leader are, are trying to role model, but basically, you know, eat, move, sleep, breathe, focus, <laughs> prosper, you know, how you look after yourself. Yeah. What, just give us some things of how are you running your daily routine so you keep your good mental health, physical health, uh, keep connected with your, your family and your children. What, what are you doing? Just to give a personal example. Yeah, so um, so so I am uh, working from home mostly at the moment. I mean, I've had to go uh, into the office a number of times, but I'm really trying to follow the medical advice that's been given and set and set the uh, set the bar pretty high to say, look, if I don't if I don't need to come in unless it's for absolutely critical reasons, um, then you know that should be how other people are approaching it. We've all got good tech. We all know what we're meant to be doing. Um, and I've actually seen some really fantastic management as well as leadership through this, where, you know, people are now having to manage tasking virtually in, in a way that perhaps they might have not had to do in quite such an accurate uh, way before. So, um, but in terms of just generally leadership itself, um, I mean, there's much more to do now than there was before we all moved online. It's nonstop. And, um, and so typically... Uh, as gold commander, I'm I'm up first thing. I'm checking into gold command. I'm checking into silver. You know the situations from overnight comes in. And I'm reviewing all of the critical risks and the critical and, and operations. So and gold and silver, it goes back to Cobra, does it? Because you're you're connected into a whole load of different organisations. Is that how it works? I mean, yeah. So 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 I'm 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 connected uh, into uh, bronze in the foreign office, and I run gold for my organisation. Um, 
and uh, and and then we've got an established silver which has a big working group uh, that feeds in from all across the world all the different things that we've got going on and within there we've got divisional directors who are operating what we call bronze Mm. Um, and so you've got a you've got an operating command structure that's a living and breathing command structure that's you know dynamically fed, um, but also it's communicating decisions. Uh, and then gold tends to be more uh, focused on major strategy, major risk, major complexity, major uncertainty, uh, and um, and communications in and out of other aspects outside of the organisation. So each of us has got very different roles, um, and. Um, and so that's worked, I, I think, quite well. But we, uh, every every day, we're obviously talking. Uh, every day, the intelligence is coming through and the information. Uh, and um, and every uh, three working days, as an executive board, we actually have just a a sort of stock take, um, and we check in and find out, you know, the plans that we had uh, going into the week. Are they working? And what do we need to tweak? What do we need to course correct on? That's great. Um, so that's that's all been has all been really uh, really beneficial, I think, because it's every week is different and it's yeah. fast moving. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, I, I was just sort of listening to you talking about all those different pieces of information coming in constantly. There seems to be um, so much um, for you to sort of process. Um, and is is that sort of like something that happens all the time for you, or is that of, of the moment? Um, right now or that's just something you've got used to no I, I, I mean I think I have um, I, I think I have a uniquely uh, interesting job it's very busy um, there's a lot to it there's a lot of complexity and moving parts um, so to that to that extent I'm sort of um, constantly involved in innovation of one form or another um, it's it's not sort of it's not as though we have a big manufacturing facility and we're trying to make the machine go faster you know actually you've got you know four or five thousand projects a year globally in up to 300 cities around the world and each one has got its own uniqueness to it so actually it's got a very different it's got a very different set of complexities um but i think the um uh i think the big difference between family just coming in that's right big, real life real life happens <laughs> we're making other plans Big difference between um, uh, between uh, going to work uh, uh, in a in a normal circumstance and during this COVID nineteen has actually been uh, the fact that going to work now is is mostly going downstairs into my study, mm. uh, whereas before I, as Jonathan well knows, I like to get on on my on my uh, bicycle and I I then spend the next hour cycling into work and an hour cycling home again. So I get a lot of time for thinking, a lot of time for exercise during during that. And so the mm. the thing that sort of dropped out in the first week um, was was doing any exercise. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, I've actually picked that back up again, and it's made a big yeah. difference to to my energy levels and my my ability yeah. to think. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that um, sort of melding of the day um, on, on lockdown has been been. <laughs> Quite quite extreme, I think, for for, for most people. So yeah. with with the way your 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 role, there's so much information coming in, and things are changing all the time. That's probably what a lot of businesses and a lot of leaders are, are experiencing through mm. through through this time. Do you have um, a particular sort of strategy of, of of management to to prioritize that information, to sort that information, to make the decisions? Um, uh, which must be uh, have to be done in, in pretty timely fashion. Yeah, I mean we've in, we've invested in our 
in our top 100 leaders in the organization uh, to strengthen their resolve and strengthen their decision making as well so this isn't just a handful of people trying to make decisions we've got a whole whole community of people who are who are good at this stuff um so it you know is well spread out um so it tends to be it tends to be things that are least certain um are the decisions that that we try to navigate our way through they're usually quite well informed by the community of leaders in the organization so it's rare that you're you're trying to make a decision on something um that you don't truly understand you're often trying to make a decision on something that's moving and changing um and at some point you've just got to make a decision yeah. um and um so i think i think because we're we're doing this uh executive dial-in uh every two or three days uh just to go around and try and work work things through you know anything that gets really stuck um we, we've got a bit of a clearing house um mm-hmm. The other thing is um, we've increased the frequency of our of our um, uh, increased the frequency of our of our boards and got rid of all the non-essential uh, papers. Um, so you know if it doesn't relate to where we are today and in the future, actually, you know we have to drop delay do differently to to try and work out whether it should whether it should get the airtime. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so we haven't been afraid to use an extraordinary board mechanism to to process some pretty complicated things and um that's working quite well at the moment i think good ben if i could just come in i think if we yeah, have sure. to start to come towards the end of our time maybe um mm-hmm. and i'm going to ask in a moment for danny to sort of share his his final top tip but before we do that is ben is there any really cracking great questions that that you have from people that one one last question that we could give danny before he wraps up with his top tip on uh, inspiring leadership in unprecedented times so yeah, Danny, what, what's been been really sort of inspiring you, for you during this uh, sort of tough tough time? Um, well, I, th- I, th- I think I've seen uh, huge uh, levels of courage um, th- throughout. I mean, I mean, I'm my organisation aside. I mean, I mean, we've got people all over the world trying to trying to work on on this enormous effort to to deal with the situation of borders closing and flights being cancelled and all of the complications that go with that. Um, and I think there's been some some brilliance and some courage and um uh but really what's what's kind of what's kind of really bowled me over has just has just been the way our uh nhs and our, our medical front line have you know stood there um day after day you know performing life-saving duties um and nothing i could ever do would even come close to what to what they're doing it's just it's just incredible and i'm so inspired by by those uh, front frontline NHS workers, and um, you know, it makes me feel tremendously proud to be in a country that's got that's got people like that on the front line. Yeah, and, and really adding to that, Danny, uh, often the the service that isn't often recognised is the police, uh, yeah. and the other services, fire ambulance, and um, uh, workers who are dealing with people with health problems and things like that, caring and that kind of stuff. But I do think the police are doing an amazing job, and they're also taking their lives at risk, like. Uh, my stepson who goes in and there's someone who shouts, I've got COVID-19 and does he have to touch him? Do, you know, yeah. He's got to arrest the guy and things like that. And so they're trying to keep the, uh, the order as well. But with a, with a, a nephew who is an intensive care doctor, the stories he's telling, this is not to be taken lightly. And anybody who thinks they can bulk up the rules and the guidance that we're getting, if you go into an intensive care ward and see the people who are dying there, then you'll wake up and think about it. 
Yeah. Danny, I just yeah. want to say thank you so much uh, for everybody who's listening and the people that will listen to the recordings uh, that we're going to have. It's great having you on the, f- the first episode. You are indeed a, an inspiring leader. You're dealing in unprecedented times. So thank you from us all for your contribution today. No, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, been great to, uh, it's been great to have a chance to come on and, uh, and, and get involved with this. Um, first one, I think, Jonathan, that, that, uh, that you've done. It's the first one I've done. Um, and uh, it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Um, my top tip. Mm-hmm. Your top tip. Um, so I think, just the, I think probably the most important thing is it's all about people. Um, you know, people will do remarkable things, and uh, they'll they'll look out for each other. If you if you can if you can find different ways uh, to tap into to tap into those uh, incredible stories and and learn what people are are doing uh, and really celebrate that and share those stories uh, with others, then you can inspire a great deal more people uh, to step in and step up. So I think the most important thing in these times of crisis is all about it's all about people. Danny, thank you very much indeed. So, now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.